invite you to turn in your New Testaments this morning to the book of 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter. And we'll, we will be looking at the chapter in its entirety as we conclude a four-part series on our purpose as a church. And as we started out, we asked the question, why are we here? To which we answered that we believe the scriptures are, the scriptures give us the reason why we are here to make disciples. Followers of Jesus, men and women and boys and girls who want to follow after Jesus in such a way that they will emulate him, that Jesus Christ's life will be lived out through their lives. A true disciple is one who has come to the point as we just celebrated in communion, where they have put their faith in the person of Jesus Christ. But discipleship doesn't stop at just becoming a Christian. Discipleship is a lifelong process by which we continue to grow more like Jesus. We saw these last few weeks that disciples express their devotion to Jesus Christ in several ways, by including others who do not yet know Christ, by growing in their devotion to Christ, and by connecting in Christian community. Last week we looked at that word grow, and we talked about the fact that in order to grow, the individual Christian must be in the Word. And we're going to see today that The Christian in the Word not only needs the Word and not only needs to apply the Word, but we need each other in growing. That the Christian life is not designed to be lived out solo. That the Christian life is not designed to be lived out in isolation. That in order to grow, we not only need the Word of God, applying the Word of God, but we need each other. Utilizing the giftedness that each believer brings to the church. And so, in looking at that, we want to focus in on 1 Corinthians chapter 12 this morning. And I encourage you to read along with me as I read the chapter out loud, starting with verse 1. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to the mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus is accursed, and no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. Now, there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are a variety of ministries in the same Lord. There are varieties of effects, but the same God who works all things in all persons. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit. 
And to another, the word of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. And to another, gifts of healing by one Spirit. And to another, the effecting of miracles. And to another, prophecy. And to another, the distinguishing of spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. And to another, interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually just as he wills. For even as the body is one and it has many members, and all the members of the body, though there are they are many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one Spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot says, because I am not a hand, I am not part of the body... It is not for this reason any less a part of the body. And if the ear says, because I am not an eye, I am not part of the body, it's not for this reason any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But now God has placed the members, each one of them, in the body just as he desired. If they were all one member, where would the body be? But now there are many members, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Or again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, it's much truer that the members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. And those members of the body which we deem less honorable... On these we bestow more abundant honor, and our less presentable members become much more presentable. Whereas our more presentable members have no need of it. But God has so composed the body, giving more abundant to that member which lacks, so that there may be no divisions in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored... All the members rejoice with it. Now, you are Christ's body, and individually members of it. And God has appointed to the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, and miracles and gifts of healing, helps, administrations, various kinds of tongues. All are not apostles, are they? All are not prophets, are they? All are not teachers, are they? All are not workers of miracles, are they? All do not have gifts of healings, do they? All do not speak with tongues, do they? All do not interpret, do they? But earnestly desire the greatest, greater gifts. And I show you still a more excellent way. As we saw last week, we cannot grow as a Christian without the Bible. And as we're going to see this week, and this is going to sound like a strong statement, but I believe it's a biblical statement, we cannot grow without each other. We cannot grow without the church. There is no place in the New Testament for an isolated Christian. We need each other. We need each other's giftedness. We need to receive from each other, and we need to serve each other. I've mentioned to you before that I like to watch a show called House Hunters. Sometimes it's infuriating. 
because there'll be a young couple go into a home that will have a beautiful kitchen and one of them will say, I just can't live with this color of marble countertops. These countertops are going to have to go. And I just want to scream. It's like, you're kidding me. That kitchen's been remodeled like three times since mine has. The ones that I really like are a little sub-series. One is called House Hunter's Tiny House. And I'm trying to convince my wife that we could indeed live in a 250 square house on the middle of 40 acres in isolation. But she doesn't quite believe me. My favorite is called House Hunters Off the Grid. And I picture taking my bride to total isolation somewhere. One of my favorite episodes was this guy that wanted to move to remote Norway. And as the real estate agent showed him one of the cabins, he he was wondering why the furniture was all ripped up. And it was all ripped up because a polar bear had gotten inside the cabin and ripped up the couch. They also told the young man that the road does not go all the way to the cabin. And so the last two miles, you have to use a snowmobile. And they really encourage you to carry a high-power rifle with you because of the polar bears. And I'm thinking, that's got Stephen Barb written all over it. You know, you run out of meat, you just go shoot a caribou. If my wife wants some new gloves, she can just make her own out of the caribou hide. It'd be perfect. Just me and her in isolation. You know what? There is no category for Christians off the grid. There's no place in the New Testament where it says that it's okay for a Christian to live unconnected. The model, the plan that the Lord has for you and for me is to be connected in Christian community. Not only to receive those who are building into our lives, but also to serve and to build into other lives. And so that's what we want to see this morning in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Now as we come to the book of 1 Corinthians, one of Paul's purposes in the book is to address some issues that have crept into this young church in Corinth. And from chapter 11 through chapter 14, he's talking about issues of worship. In chapter 11, he addresses the role of women in worship and also talks about the Lord's table, as we just looked at earlier today. In chapters 12 through 14, he's talking about spiritual gifts. And specifically here in chapter 12, we want to look at some principles that talk about the need to be connected in Christian community. In chapters 12 through 14 it becomes apparent that the Corinthians have elevated one spiritual gift over the others. They think that speaking in tongues is more important than the rest of the spiritual gifts. And so the Apostle Paul wants to bring balance to their thinking. He wants them to understand that the Spirit of God specially equips each believer with a spiritual gift. And that spiritual gift has a purpose, to build up brothers and sisters in Christ. 
So we see in verses 1 through 11 and verse 27 through 31 that the Spirit of God specially equips believers to build up the church. We see in verses 1 through 3 as the Apostle Paul opens this section that he's challenging them, first of all, be discerning. In fact, he tells them, you always have an exercise discernment. Before you came to faith in Jesus, you were led astray to start serving idols that can't even talk. Notice in verse 2, you know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to the mute idols, however you were led. And he also wants to tell them, just because someone claims to have great spiritual power and ability doesn't mean that that's coming from God. He says in verse 3, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus is accursed. In other words, if somebody is defaming Jesus Christ, that's not coming from the Holy Spirit. But he goes on to say, if someone is saying Jesus is Lord, proclaiming that Jesus is God himself with all the authority of God, that does come from the Spirit of God. Remember that the Spirit of God has a ministry of pointing people to Jesus. That's why even today a red flag should go up or a yellow flag should go up. If someone is trying to draw attention to their own giftedness, or if someone is trying to draw attention solely to the Holy Spirit apart from Jesus Christ. Because that's not what the Spirit does. The Spirit points people to Jesus. We see that in the book of John. And I just wanted to read a couple of verses this morning. First of all, from John chapter 15, verse 26, where we read, When the Helper comes, this is Jesus talking, When the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, that is, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify about me. So the Holy Spirit's role is to point people to Jesus Christ. If you look at chapter 16 of the Gospel of John, verse 14, we see it again. In verse 14 it says, He will glorify me. So the Holy Spirit is all about lifting up Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit's role is to point people to Jesus. Here, the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 12 is saying, be discerning. If the Spirit of God is in what you're seeing, Jesus Christ will be the one who is lifted up. Not a person, not even the Holy Spirit himself, Jesus Christ. Now, as the Apostle Paul goes on to develop what he wants them to see about balance and what he wants them to understand about the interdependence within the church, what he wants to understand, wants them to understand about being connected in Christian community. In verse 4, he begins to unfold the truth that every believer is gifted by the Holy Spirit and that we need each other. Notice he says in verse 4, Now there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. 
There are varieties of ministries in the same Lord. There are varieties of effects, but the same God who works all things and all persons. In other words, there's a variety of ways that God works. There's a variety of giftedness within the church. There's a variety of ministries, but there's only one Spirit, one Lord, one Father. There's only one God, but a variety of ways that God chooses to equip his people. Paul comes to a culmination in verse 7 when he says this, But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Now that's a key verse. He's saying that the Holy Spirit shows his power through a variety of ways. The Spirit's power is manifested through a variety of giftedness for a common purpose, for the common good. That the church will be built up. That disciples will be brought to maturity. Uh, last weekend, our elders spent the weekend talking about discipleship. And one of the main emphases that we talked about was whole church discipleship. Every one of us has a role in building up the church as we use the special giftedness that God has given to each one of us as Christians. And that's Paul's point here. Down in verses 8 through 10 and verses 28 through 30, he gives us some lists of spiritual gifts. This is not an exhaustive list. There's other places in the New Testament that also give us lists of spiritual gifts. Those aren't exhaustive either. Here's a good way to remember which passages in the New Testament talk about spiritual gifts. It's a little mnemonic device to help you remember. Where can I find passages about the spiritual gifts? I call it the rule of the twelves and the fours. little seminary trick. Where do you find about spiritual gifts? The twelves. Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12. The fours. Ephesians 4, 1 Timothy 4, 1 Peter 4. So there you go, the rule of the twelves and the fours. Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, Ephesians 4, 1 Timothy 4, 1 Peter 4. That's where you read about spiritual gifts. If you ever have an exam, it says, how can I find about spiritual gifts? Now you know, the rule of the twelves and the fours. Pastor Brian, you can mark that down. Well, here we have a listing of the spiritual gifts, but it's not exhaustive. And we're not going to unfold each of those today. What I want us to notice here in chapter 12 is that every believer is specially equipped with a spiritual gift for a purpose, for the common good, for the building up of the church. Years ago, I made a concerted effort to be a golfer. I I just thought, you know, this would be important for me to be able to golf. In the town where I lived in North Dakota before we moved back to Iowa, golf was like at the center of town. I thought I could build relationships through golf. Problem, I just was terrible. 
And so I kept trying to find good golfers. And I said, can you help me? I don't know what I'm doing wrong, but I can't be consistent. And so I had guys help me and guys help me. And I, I was just terrible. And I was always terrible. Just so you know, I've officially given up. The last time I really made a concerted effort to figure this game out, I asked my neighbor across the street, Charlie Updegraff, who at the time owned one of the golf stores in town. I said, Charlie, can you help me? He said, I can help you. And so we went to the driving range, and Charlie told me exactly where to put my feet. He told me exactly where to put that ball. He told me exactly how to hold that club. He told me exactly how to swing. And I, to the best of my ability, followed exactly what he said. And I swung and something happened that had never happened before. Somehow that head of that club hit that golf ball right in the sweet spot. And that ball took off and it just kept going and going and going and it felt great. It just, I had never experienced that before. I didn't even swing that hard and that ball just took off. It went so far I lost sight of it. It was just phenomenal and I concluded that as long as Charlie would go with me every time I swung the club and put my ball down and told me exactly how to hold my feet, I could be a great golfer. I gave up. But oh, did it feel good that one time to have that club function just right and hit that ball right in the sweet spot of that club. You know, one of the most fulfilling things in life is to function in our sweet spot. And by that, what I mean is actually having God use you and use me as an, his, his tool, his instrument, utilizing that special giftedness which he has bestowed on every Christian and using that giftedness so that we're actually serving in our sweet spot, in our giftedness. And there's nothing more fulfilling. And here, the Apostle Paul wants to encourage us that each and every one of us have that special gifting. Remember verse 7. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Down in verse 11. But one of the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually just as He will. So God is the one who chooses your spiritual gift And it's by design, it's by His purpose. We are equipped the way God chose for us to be equipped. Here, Paul is driving home this point. Every Christian has a spiritual gift. Peter says the same thing. Our 1 Peter chapter 4. Remember our rule of the 12s and the 4s? Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, Ephesians 4, 1 Peter 4, 1 Timothy 4. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10 says, As each one has received a spiritual gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Each one of us has a spiritual gift. I personally don't think that 
you have to be able to put a label on your spiritual gift. If you are serving, God will use your spiritual gift. And the more you serve him, the more you will be able to narrow that down. Now, we do have some inventories that if you are interested in, in working through an inventory to help narrow down what might be your spiritual gift, please contact me or, or Pastor Chris and uh, we can help you uh, work on that. But I also think you can kind of figure that out just by serving Jesus Christ, just by being active in service through the local church. Because what happens is you start finding special joy in doing certain things. And people start recognizing that in you and encourage you that that the Lord really used you in a certain way. And as you serve, God will use that area of special giftedness for the common good. You see... Faith Bible Church needs you to be exercising your giftedness. The Christian life is not meant to be lived off the grid. We not only need to be served by brothers and sisters in Christ, sometimes we need to be spurred on to love and good deeds, as the author of Hebrews says in Hebrews chapter 10. But sometimes we need to be serving our brothers and sisters in Christ. And we get just as much encouragement as God actually uses us in our giftedness to build into the life of someone else. Whole church discipleship. Now, the apostle in verses 12 through 26 wants to drive home one more major truth. And that is this. Each believer's ministry is important. Each believer's ministry is important. The apostle in verses 12 and 13 begins by talking about the baptism of the Spirit. Every time you see the word baptism in the New Testament, it does not mean it's referring to water baptism. Here he's talking about spirit baptism, that work by which at the moment we place our trust in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit identifies us with Jesus Christ's church. The baptism of the Spirit is what makes you part of Jesus' church. And so he says, for even as the body is one and he has many members and all the members of the body, though they are many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one spirit. So what the Apostle Paul is going to do right now is give us an illustration. He's going to illustrate the diversity of gifts within the church by illustrating the diversity of the members of a human body, the different parts of a human body. So he goes on in verse 14 and 15 and says, well, the foot can't say, well, I'm not a hand, so I guess I'm not valuable. Or the ear can't say, well, I'm not part of a body because I'm not an eye. He says, no, we, we all of these parts are important. 
And then he gives us this really interesting illustration. He says, just picture this. What if the body was just a big eye? Just picture that. If we were just a bunch of eyes sitting out here, it'd be very important to know your wife's eye color. Hello, this is my wife Barbara. Notice her, she has brown eyes. Well, yeah, I notice it because she's just one giant eyeball. It'd be, or if we were all ears. And Paul says, well, if we're all an eye, if we were all just big eyes, how would we hear? Or if we were just all big ears, we couldn't smell anything. No, in a human body, every part is important. And then he says this in verse 18, but God has placed the members, each one of them, in the body just as he desired. Every part is important. And then he goes on down in verse 25 and says, you know why it's so important for us to understand that every part is important, every member is important, so that there may be no divisions in the body, but the members may have the same care for one another. Each believer's ministry is important. I, for most of my adult life, I have driven a pickup. That's just my vehicle of choice. I just am most comfortable in a pickup. My very first vehicle that I bought in high school was a 1974 Dodge pickup with three speed on the column. It was a real babe magnet. My wife, I really think she went after me because of my pickup. And in college, hey, can I borrow your pickup? And she's the only one I would lend my pickup to because I liked her. <laughs> and it had a diesel electric horn. I mean, it, this pickup was just, it just screamed cool. And and I just, I really enjoyed my pickup. Well, we got married and I have to move to Dallas, Texas. And downtown Dallas is maybe not the place for a 1974 Dodge pickup with three speed on the column. And it was getting kind of rusty, so I sold it. Well, we made it through Dallas Seminary, moved to North Dakota. And man, if you need a pickup anywhere, you need one in North Dakota. And... One of the, one day one of my hunting buddies called me up and said, hey, I was just down at Hillsboro Auto, Hillsboro, North Dakota. There's an 80 plus year old farmer that just backed his pickup into a post and put a crease down the box and because he creased it, he's gonna sell it and it only has 22,000 miles on it. And I jumped in our car and I drove to Hillsboro Auto and they haven't even washed this thing off yet. And I said, how much do you want for the 1986 F-150? And he told me, I said, I want it. And they said, well, we haven't even cleaned it up. And I said, I want it. And so they said, well, we've got to fix this big scratch in the side of the box. And I said, great, I'm not in a hurry. I can wait. So they took the box off and they got the dent out and they repainted it and it looked beautiful. And I went to pick up my, or get my pickup down at Hillsborough Auto. So excited to finally once again have a pickup. You know, there's nothing better. It's kind of against the law now, but back then we didn't think about such things. You know, I'd put my entire family in one bench seat, took the seat belt, wrapped it around three little boys, in their pajamas, 
And then we go look for moose in the evening. Oh, it was good memories. Just in your F-150, the back window open, listening to a little bit of Garth Brooks, looking for moose. So I'm really excited about my pickup. We went to pick it up, and uh, I turned the corner, and the, the blinkers don't work. The turn signals don't work. And I tried to honk the horn, and the horn wouldn't work. And the windshield wipers don't work. And I'm thinking, there's a problem. So I drove back to Hillsborough Auto. I said, found the mechanic. said, listen, the, the blinkers don't work. The windshield wipers don't work. The horn doesn't work. And he said, I know what's going on. Just give me a second. And I probably won't describe it right, because I'm the least mechanical person I know, but... When they took that box off, there's kind of a ground wire with a little tiny clip that gets clipped on to the box. And when they put the box back on the pickup, they didn't put that little tiny clip back on that metal box. And when they didn't put that little itty-bitty clip back on there, it rendered all those other things inoperable. Now we can say, man... I wish I was a steering wheel at Faith Bible Church where I could just steer the church family to go this way. Or maybe we could say, I wish I was a turn signal so I could just be every day steering people toward Jesus Christ. I could, I'd be seeing people come to know Jesus every day because I'm a light for Him, leading people to Jesus. But some of us aren't steering wheels and some of us aren't turn signals. Some of us are support clips. You know, we, we even think about yesterday. Our speaker was kind of a signal, wasn't he? He was a light that talked about Jesus and 25 people indicated that they either had placed their trust in Christ or were interested in knowing more. And he was up on that platform. But he would not have been able to be on that platform with all the people, so many people that just serve behind the scenes, kind of like support clips. And if they hadn't done what they did, no one would have even listened to this guy. You see, what Paul is saying is, every believer has a spiritual gift. And that spiritual gift has been given to that believer because God chose to give that spiritual gift to that believer. It's by his design. And then he says, every spiritual gift is important. There's not one that's more important than another. That we need each other. It's whole church discipleship. We not only need to be served by our brothers and sisters in Christ and put ourselves in a position where we're willing to share and say, you know what, can you pray for me on this? Can you help me here? We also need to be serving our brothers in Jesus Christ. There's no place in the New Testament for a category of off-the-grid Christian. The Christian life is meant to be lived out in connection, in Christian community within the local church. And so the Apostle Paul is saying this, we need each other. We need each other to build up a healthy church made up of healthy disciples. This morning we've talked quite a bit about 
being in right relationship with God. And we've talked about how we can do that through Jesus Christ. But that may sound foreign to you. You may not quite understand what I'm referring to when I say that. If you want to find out more about Jesus today, I would encourage you just after the service, one of our elders will will be back in the prayer room. And we have some little booklets back there, and you can just ask for one. And you can take that and look up in your own Bible passages of Scripture that show you how you can know for sure that you can be in right relationship with God, have your sin forgiven through faith in Jesus. Or you may be here today and you need your church family to surround you. You need some prayer today. And I encourage you to go back into the prayer room and spend some time praying this morning. Father, we thank you for 1 Corinthians 12 and the reminder that there's no place for off-the-grid Christians. Father, we know that physically... Some believers aren't able, maybe, to even leave their home, but they can still connect within the body of Christ. And we thank you for faithful prayer warriors and those who do notes of encouragement to brothers and sisters, still using spiritual giftedness in building up your church. Help each of us to have a renewed vision for the fact that you have a purpose for our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.